Thank you, mate. Good on you. Excellent. I might just move a couple of those things because, you know, I'll probably spill something on them or do something like that, silly. Speaking of silly, let me just get my water bottle over here. Good to be back with you again. Um, for those of you who were not here when I was here, I don't know, was it four weeks ago, five weeks ago, some of the time? I don't know, last time you had communion. I think I just come on communion weeks, I think. So, uh, um, so uh, yeah, anything for... You know, it's great. Communion is the only time we get to eat in church. I can't, you know, it's, we use it our uh, our taste buds in worship. I like uh, that. I mean, it's not the only reason I like communion. But anyway, um, Mark Wilkinson's my name. I'm part of the BUV's church health team, and uh, I want to just share with you just right at the start what we're on about in terms of BUV. Well, BUV land. Our our vision uh, as the BUV is to be a union of flourishing churches with Christ-like followers that redeem society. And so we want that, we want to see churches flourish. That's, it. That's our goal. What can we do? You know, and I have a 40-minute drive to come here and I'm spending my time praying, Lord, how can this church flourish? What does it mean for this church to flourish in all that you have for it? And so, it, you know, it's good that we get to, to have a think about that. With the idea that we will then be, have, churches will have Christ-like followers, people who are following Jesus, in all that that means of life, and, and will make an impact upon their world, an impact upon their the places where they live, the places where they work, and we want to see that uh, all happen. And so we work at the, I work at the, the BUV Support Hub, is what we call it now, we don't really call it the office anymore, we call it the Support Hub, that sounds way better, doesn't it? Uh, so the next little bit there, if you can go to that one for me, our mission as a Support Hub is to encourage, equip, and empower local churches, like yours, and communities of faith to advance God's kingdom. Again, so that's our goal. That's our mission. That's what, that's what sort of gets us up in the morning. That's what we think about, of how can we do that? How can we see that occur? But my voice is really... I think I may better take your... I need some of your honey, mate. That's what I really need. Yeah. I think probably I haven't talked enough yet. You know, I haven't, there's nobody in my family. I was speaking my, I mean, those of you, again, just introduce my family for those of you who weren't here last time. Everybody knows, else remembers that. That's me. That's my dear wife. We're uh, heading up towards 38 years of marriage in a couple of months. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just hanging in there is pretty good, isn't it? Like, I mean, she's hung in with me a long time, hasn't she? Should be medals for that sort of business. But anyway, so... Anyway, so that's good. That's our two kids, uh, Jesse, 19, and Mia, 17. Uh, Mia's got some year 12 exams. She's doing a year 11, 12 hybrid thing, so she's got some year, ex- year 12 exams coming up. Uh, but it doesn't stop her being at work and being a barista this morning for those who need coffee at the local shopping centre where we live. Uh, and uh, so that's us. If you've got your Bible with you, um, turn with me to the book of Colossians. Um, I spend a lot of time reading the Gospels uh, you know, I want to sort of continue to imbibe the person of Jesus. I mean, I've been following Jesus for about 45 years. I've mean, sort of grown up in that. I'm a fifth-generation Christian. And so, so I've, as I say, you know, I want to keep imbibing the person of Jesus, his actions, his teachings. I think there's always going to be things for me to learn, always things to be reminded of. And so I really love doing that. But, of course, the Bible is not just four books, you know, as much as I love the Gospels, the, 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 we have the rest of the New Testament, um, which, um, you know, the teachings and the instructions, um, how the early church functioned, and um, this is a part of that. And of course, of course, the Old Testament is a record of God's 
dealing with Israel and the Old Covenant, telling the story of that. And again, I'm, this morning, um, my daily reading, I was just reading really that painful passage. It's a really painful passage I'm reading uh, at the start of Second Samuel 11, which is where David sins with Bathsheba. We've talked about God's grace and uh, that, but it's sort of like, you know, we, we often, it's right for us in communion and Sue led us so beautifully in that, but to look, sort of look back on that. But when, when you're sort of reading the story, you're reading it sort of in time and you're sort of aware that what's about to happen and, uh, you know, how can we stop ourselves from doing something dumb and foolish is a, is a really important element of what the Scripture challenges us as well. So anyway, back to the book of Colossians. I, I was really struck when I was reading the book of Colossians in my daily readings. And, and really this message today comes out of my daily readings. And I was struck with Paul as both a brilliant theologian and passionate Christian. Um, and so uh, he's known as a great theologian. You know, so much of the New Testament is written by Paul when you go from Romans for the next, I don't know, 13 books or something along those lines, um, is written by Paul. And, and his great mind, his capacity to, to just let things flow from his mind, uh, his organized thoughts, how he, how he wrote that without, you know, modern word processing of cutting and pasting and all that sort of stuff. I know when I was doing my sermons at Bible college, he certainly wanted to cut and paste and do all that, but no, he could do that. Just next screen, please, buddy, uh, if you go into that. Uh, and so uh, Colossians uh, opens with Paul's prayer, and uh, I want to pick it up particularly from verse 9. And so... Uh, that's sort of where we're going to be reading from there today. But you know, we have um, Paul's, the, the great mind, the book of Romans is a wonderful thing about, um, about Paul, the great theologian, the amazing treatise of the theology of Jesus' identity and what salvation means. And, and, uh, we, but we do Paul a great disservice if we just think of him as a brilliant theologian. Next, uh, click over there if we can there. Because um, at least he's much more than just a great theologian. He is a great theologian, but he's also a passionate follower of Jesus. A passionate follower of Jesus. In fact, I want to say, per firstly, he's a passionate follower of Jesus. From his radical encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road onward, he became a passionate follower. He opens his heart to the Philippians when he declares, I want to know Jesus. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. The whole gamut of the whole element of resurrection, of death and resurrection. The whole, de the whole gamut of it all. I want to know Christ. And knowing in the Bible is not just intellectual knowing. No, I know the directions to home. I know my ten times table. I know... Lee Kohler's name, you know, it's not just intellectual, important, important. <laughs> Hope I can still remember it, mate, you know, that's right. But knowing in the Bible is an experiential word. And even, I mean, even just when you think about our communion, we experience communion. We don't just think about communion, it's uh, sort of joking around with the eating thing, but we actually experience communion. And we experience God when we meet together. And, it's, and it sort of has those two things together. And, and, and so by the, in the Bible, uh, knowing is experiential. And so my contention is, and the book of Colossians brings this out, 
is that heart and mind belong together. A little bit later on in Colossians, when Paul's moving on to the practical side, he says, uh, Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then verse 2, set your mind on things above, not just earthly th- not on earthly things. Set your heart, set your mind. Bring them together. Jesus said uh, about the greatest commandment, you know this, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. We respond with heart and soul. And, you know, there's a, at times in churches, there's a sort of a artificial sort of thing that sort of some churches focus a bit more on the mind. You know, we've got to get our theology right. And we, I've been in a couple of these churches and, and, it's just not balanced. It's focusing only on the mind and making sure your theology is good. Now, I'm totally one for your theology being right. I'm totally for investing in your mind. My gosh, I've got a master's in theology. I know what it is to get your mind sorted out. But your, heart, but your, your mind is no good by itself if your heart is not engaged. Your heart needs to be engaged. But equally, don't just be on the experiential thing i just seeking the experience. We've got to have our mind engaged into what's going on. So we're thinking through what's going on. We're seeing what's going on. We're, we're, Paul says, test the spirits. And so we're doing that. We're bringing our heart and our mind together. And I'm really passionate about seeing those two to go together. And so we don't just want sort of intellectual churches that are cold. We don't just want experiential churches that are shallow. We want to bring all of that together. And that's a really important element of this. And so Paul brings this together brilliantly, I reckon, in this prayer passage in in Colossians 1, 9 to 14. Now, what I'm going to do with this passage is I'm sort of going to work backwards in this passage. Because these first three verses of this this passage are around his prayer. And then he sort of then says, moves on into the theology of salvation, if you like, in verses 12 to 14. And so I want to sort of talk about the theology first and then go back and talk about the prayer. So I'm sort of working backwards. I hope that's okay. It's a bit weird, I know, but I, you know, I saw your love revolution thing and love was, you know, the, that word was love back, the words in there. So, you know, you do things backwards as well, all right? I'm, I'm claiming that, okay? I'm taking that on board. By the way, that's a great movie if you haven't seen it. Awesome movie. So young people, oh, they all disappeared anyway. Good movie anyway. Great movie. Um, yeah, okay. Theology of Salvation, verses 12 to 14. Now, I won't spend too long on this because we really have dwelt around this uh, in the communion time this morning. But, but I want to pick up some of the themes that he talks about. First of all, he talks about being redeemed. Redeemed has the idea of being bought back. There's, there's a price that's been paid, redemption. That that um, that that price has been paid. You know, <clears throat> I have to confess to you when we're talking about confessing sins, there has been probably a number of times in my life where the government has made an extra um, extra obligation upon me because they because they decided I was driving too fast. Anybody ever had a speeding fine? Only five or six of us. You righteous people, God bless you. You're wonderful that you follow the rules so, so closely. Sometimes I'm a bit mindless. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've um, 
uh, I've had a f- on a couple of occasions where I've received that little envelope in the mail that sort of has that one little window envelope, and you think, hello, something's going on here. Something's going on here. And in my household, I'm going, which one? Huh? Which one? Which one? When our son, I showed you a picture of our son when we were, uh, sort of, I think I alluded to this last time, that we've been married for 38 years and our kids are 19 and 17, which tells you we took a long time to have kids. That wasn't our desire, that was what happened. And so one of my speeding fines was the day I discovered that, <coughs> that uh, <coughs> we were pregnant with Jesse. And I was obviously in celebratory mode and uh, wanted to get home to celebrate with people. And so that's just one of the days. I got another one on Christmas Day, going to church one time, where it was, um, again, I just was so excited to meet with God's people that sometimes the excitement just overtakes me. You know what I've discovered? It doesn't matter who pays the fine for a speeding fine, as long as it gets paid. I use this illustration, I've used this illustration a lot over the years, and I had a speeding fine once, and someone anonymously paid my speeding fine, um, which wasn't what I was trying to achieve with the illustration. But when I spe- if I get a speeding fine, the government says, I don't mind who pays it as long as it gets paid. And so, um, and, and so it is in when, it, when there's a price to be paid for our sin. And we've thought about that today, haven't we? We've had our crackers and our juice to remind us that there was a price to be paid. And then, hallelujah, Jesus paid the price for us. So we don't have to pay it for ourselves. That's redemption. He's rescued us from darkness to light. It's one of Paul's great metaphors uh, of bringing us from darkness to light. Uh, In Ephesians, he says, uh, where is that? Verse 3. No, verse 8. Can't read my own writing. For once once there was darkness, but now you are light. You are now light of the Lord. Live as children of light. We've been rescued, Paul says. Love this metaphor. We've gone from darkness to light. Let the light shine. He says also uh, in verse 12, we have an inheritance. We've won an inheritance as the, as the holy people. I'm tempted to ask if anybody's ever received an inheritance. But anyway, but that's a, it's your own personal thing in that. But there's an inheritance. In other words, there's something for us. Paul says that there's an inheritance for his holy people. And there are great things that we can celebrate. But the great inheritance that's still to come, of course, is heaven. I have, my mum is 90 years old. And uh, when most conversations that we have include a conversation about heaven. Because she's looking forward to it. In fact, she's actually saying, God, why can't I go? I'm ready. You know, what, what am I still doing here on earth? I want to go to heaven. And heaven is so real for her that she's ready for it. And, so to, and then to desire more than that. It's a wonderful inheritance. You know, it's right for us. It's always an interesting thing for us in, in, in the church. You know, when someone is sick and dying, we rightly, we pray for healing. Absolutely, it's right to do that. But the other side of that is that there's heaven. And... Um, you know, where I found out a young lady who was at Werribee Baptist when I was there, a young woman who I don't even think she'd be 40. 
She just died in this past week or two. And it's incredibly sad. Incredibly sad for the family. Young mum, three kids. Um, and it seems just so, you know, it just reminds us of a fallen world in reality. But heaven is the inheritance for us. No more pain. No more sickness. I was thinking about this when I was putting this uh, microphone on. I've got to put it over my glasses. I've got to put it over my hearing aids. My ears are working really hard, okay? Physically, they're working hard. They've got three things behind them. Sort of a, so hopefully everything's holding up, the, up there. It's like, I'm looking forward to heaven when I can throw away my glasses. Won't need my glasses in heaven. Won't need my hearing aids in heaven. Hallelujah. I said I won't need my... No, it's all right. <laughs> Thanks for laughing at that. That's a standard deaf joke that I do every time, but... You won't laugh if you hear me do that again, will you? So I'll get away with it once. Hey, I, I'm even pontificating. I've thought a lot about this. I'm wondering if I'm going to be taller in heaven. Wouldn't mind being taller in heaven. Uh, anyway, that we can go. Forgiveness of sins. He talks about that. Where he, the forgiveness of sins, verse 14. Redemption, forgiveness of sins again. No more talk about that. We've talked about that a lot now already with communion. And so this is the things that we've received. But I want to pause on that. Have a look at that. Take a photo of that. Redemption. This is what you've received. You didn't earn any of this. This is is what you got. Redemption. You've gone from darkness to light. You've received an inheritance. You've received forgiveness of sins. It's a good list, isn't it? It's not exhaustive, but it's just from those three verses. That's what you've received. And so it's like, well, Paul looks back and says, all right, you've, you've, you've received that. Now, what he's, you get an insight into his heart, okay? That's almost the mind stuff, if you like. Now you get an insight into his heart with what he prays for in verses 9 to 11, okay? Verses 9 to 11. I might read verses 9 to 11 as a block so that I don't sort of miss anything out. For this reason, since we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every, please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, that you might have great endurance and patience." That's what he's praying for. That's how, that's how he wants us to see growth and, and so on. We can only skim through these, but I want you to consider what Paul prays for for the Colossians. And I think it's a list that we could see that is a good thing for us to be, almost to receive Paul's prayer for us as well, um, if that sort of works for you to think along those lines. But to see that this is what Paul sees that, that is, a, is things that we could be growing in. All right, let's go through the list. First one, knowledge of his will. He's praying that we'd have a knowledge of his will. You know, there are lots of things that we might want to know God's will for. God, what is your will for this? What is your will for our lives? What is your will for my job? What is your will for, for maybe if you're a, a single person, Lord, what is your will for, for marriage? What is your will for, for this? Where do I go? What do I do? What's your will for the, you can bring it corporately. What's your will for our church? What do you want to see for our church, Lord? We want to see uh, that. And so prayer is coming and we're asking God, God, direct us, show us. We need to know what your will is in our lives. So Lord, show us the way forward in that. Second thing Paul prays for is wisdom and understanding from the Holy Spirit. We need more than human wisdom. Human wisdom is good. 
Okay, I'm not debunking human wisdom. You know, we, we need that. Uh, you know, it's great to find that. But, but beyond that, we need wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Where do we get good advice from? Where, where, where can we go to get good advice? Well, we can find some good advice in the Bible, can't we? But more than, you know, people these days look in all sorts of different directions for advice. Talking to a young person the last little while who was looking for some medical wisdom. You know, was concerned about some things going on in his life. So he went to TikTok to find his medical wisdom. I've suggested, would you consider going to see a doctor rather than TikTok? <laughs> Still considering that idea. We need greater wisdom. So we need to go greater than TikTok. We need to greater than, 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 than medical wisdom. We need to go to the, to the Holy Spirit for that. And he's, the next thing he prays for us is to pray that we live a worthy life. Live a worthy life. Now, this is a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge to live a worthy life. And it goes back to that light, you know, darkness to light. Let your light shine. That's important. I think that is important for us today. But the challenge for us in that is sometimes this can be condemnatory as well. Because it's like, no, oh, I'm not worthy. I stuff up. Yes, you do stuff up. That's why we have grace. But it's also why we learn from our stuff-ups. Let's, let's not repeat the same stuff-ups. Let's at least invent new ones. <laughs> let's learn from our mistakes. Don't repeat the same things over and over. Have you seen yourself go in the same sort of things over and over? And you say, well, what's going on here? Why am I not learning from that? Why am I not growing through that? Strive yourself to live a life worthy of the Lord. I've mentioned uh, last time I was with you that I'm also a school chaplain. I work with the BUV um, sort of three quarters of my time, but one quarter of my time is a, is a school chaplain. And so when I go to school tomorrow, I, I'm going to be, I'm totally cognizant of my need to shine the light of Jesus. And that's purely by actions. And it's funny, you know, every now and again, I get a bit of feedback that it works. <laughs> you know? I stand at the school gate. Tomorrow morning, 8.30, 8.35, I'll be at the school gate and I'm welcoming people, welcoming families in. And so it, when I started, first started doing that, it felt just like being a pastor. <laughs> it just felt like I was at the church door welcoming people in. As a pastor, I actually used to stand at the door on my, on, at, the, at the close of the service and say, you know, just say good day to people. And on, on. But it's, it feels like just like I'm just like at church and I'm welcoming people in. And I've had people say to me, Mark, how do you get so positive? How come you can be so positive every time? I see you every day and you're positive. Who, who knows where that comes from? <laughs> you know, I know. I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to live that out. Figure out, ask God. Ask God this question. Ask God this question for you. How can I shine your light tomorrow? 
So, like, it's kind of easy when you're at church. You all look fine. You all look fabulous. You're all looking holy. You know, you're all looking magnificent and so on. You're all cleansed, washed in the blood. You know, you're all, we're all sort of prayed up, holy, holied up. That's not a word, but, you know, you know what I mean. But the challenge is not to live for Jesus just here at church. I mean, that's sort of, sort of comparatively easy. Comparatively easy. But how do we live for Jesus in the hustle and bustle of the world tomorrow? And wherever you find yourself tomorrow. As I say, I find myself in the midst of a secular school. Trying to figure out how do I shine my light for Jesus. Ask God to show you what it is to shine the light in your world tomorrow. Whatever your tomorrow looks like. Bearing fruit, he then says. We need to bear fruit in every good work. Now, we know from the, in the book of Colossians that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law is also 90. In fact, she's 91. And my mother-in-law said to me a very wise thing one time. <laughs> Only once. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> when she's talking about this fruit of the Spirit, I remember she told me this. She said, the way to remember it, Mark, the first three has got one syllable, love, joy, peace. Next three has got two syllables, patience, kindness, goodness. And the last three have three syllables, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It is good, isn't it? I've remembered that for a long time. And now I'm telling you, make sure you give my mother-in-law credit when you remember that, all right? Her name is Jean, okay? Give Jean. Jean I, let's just assume for the purpose of this exercise that Jean invented this, okay? Uh, she may well have heard it, I don't know, but she's the one who passed it on to me, so I pass it on to you. Some of the new translations change one of those words and it doesn't work. So just use these ones, okay? <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. By the way, they are something that sort of slightly annoys me. My, my, my slight pastoral sort of theological thing that slightly annoys me, when people talk about the fruits of the Spirit, plural. It's not a plural fruits. It's one fruit, these are the fruit of the Spirit. Which means you actually don't get to pick. I'll have a little bit of patience, a bit of love, but I don't want any self-control. <laughs> Leave me out of self-control. We're all called to all nine. And we're, ask, we're asking the Lord to produce all nine in our lives. That's a nine-week sermon itself, so no more than that. But let's seek to have the fruit of the Spirit grow in our lives. Growing in knowledge he says, grow in knowledge. And again, I contend that knowledge is not just intellectual, but experiential. I can read it in the Bible that God, for instance, I can read it in the Bible that God provides for my needs. But when he actually comes through and gives me some money, that's how I know it. Amen? That's how you know that sort of stuff. I remember learning that when my notoriously stingy grandmother, notoriously stingy grandmother. My grandmother was so stingy that one time for Christmas, she gave me a coat hanger. <laughs> it's true. That's the coat hanger. I was 14 years old, and I still have it today. It's probably, you could argue, it's one of the best gifts that's ever been given. But I tell you what, when I was 14 years old and I unwrapped that on Christmas Day, I was not impressed. I thought to myself, you are a stingy old woman. When I was about seven or eight years old, she gave me a second-hand book of maps. And I loved it. I loved, loved, loved it. So maybe there's some wisdom in there that I just didn't get. But anyway, 
the one and only time she gave us some money was when we were buying our first house, when Lynn and I were buying our first, just before we married. It would be actually 38 years ago right now that we were, that we were buying it. And so I was a student pastor and didn't have much of a wage. Lynn had been overseas on a mission trip and was in debt to her parents, was still paying off. She had a job, so we both had income, so we could produce sort of a certain amount of stuff. And there was some money that was lent to us and family and things along those lines to help us to get there. But we're sort of like two weeks before settlement and we're short of money. And the bank had said, you are maxed out. No more. You can... You, 42,000 was our loan. My gosh, imagine a $42,000 loan today. That was a lot of money in 1985. That was the max that we could get. And we were short coming up with settlement. We took two grand short. And Lynn said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. Let's pray. And then we sort of earned our money in those two weeks. And again, with a couple of days to grow, my, my, my grandmother gave us $500, which was like, now she gave me a coat hanger for Christmas, all right? <laughs> uh, and now, again, that's 30 years, 30, 40 years ago, so it's probably worth about 1500 You know, we discovered that when I talked about giving. I remember my friend Ken who gave me 100 bucks a month for, for six years. And so that was this right in the middle of it. So let's say that's worth about 1500 so nothing to be sneezed at, but, and it made the difference. It made the difference. How did I know that God provided? Because he did it. And I remember my sermon last time, I gave you a bunch of examples around that. Growing in knowledge. Knowledge in your mind, reading it in your Bible, applying it to your lives, going to your course, sign up for Lee's course for that seven-week course so that you can grow in your knowledge. But that'll be a great illustration also that it won't be just it won't be just intellectual knowledge it'll be knowledge that's experiential strengthened in power he says he's praying for that strengthened in power nearly there when I people ask me sometimes people who I don't know very well and they say Mark how can we pray for you I don't want to sort of talk to them, you know, it's more of the intimate details of my family life or something along those lines or whatever. I want to, but I do, I have this genuine prayer point, all right? I want strength and wisdom. Strength and wisdom. When you want to pray for your politicians, you know how we're told to pray for your politicians? Particularly the ones you don't like, all right? <laughs> Particularly the ones you don't like. Particularly the ones you don't vote for, you didn't vote for, all right? Okay? Pray for this. Strength and wisdom. Strength and wisdom. I mean, our politicians, our premiers, our prime minister, they work incredibly hard. Incredibly hard. They need great strength to be able to keep going. And what do they need above all else? Wisdom. Whether they know they need it or not, who knows whether they know they need it. Sometimes we think they present as a bit arrogant, they think they know it all. We know they don't know it all. So let's pray for wisdom. So you can pray for Pastor Lee. I heard on the radio today it's Pastor Appreciation Day. Appreciate you, man. Good on you. If you don't know what to pray for him, pray for strength and wisdom. Strength and wisdom. Strength and wisdom. So, he, so Paul says we should be praying for that. Strengthened in power. And last one, 
He prays for endurance and patience. Endurance and patience. Mentioned before, I've been following Jesus for about 45 years. And so, um, sort of really came to follow Jesus. I sort of, a bit of a two-stage process in my teenage years. Sort of responded really to Jesus when I was in year nine. And then a year later, I went on a camp, end of year 10. And that really was the defining thing that changed me. Got baptized in 1978, which is like, I think that's 45 years ago. Um, How's my math? I think that's right, 45 years ago. And so I've been following Jesus for a long time. And I've made a mind who's, who's, I went to school with, he's exactly the same age as me, he just started a, 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 a Facebook website, a Facebook group, that's not what I meant, a Facebook group, which is called Back to Blackie Baps, which is the church we grew up in. And so, yeah, yeah. And look, it was a great, like, I had a spiritually privileged upbringing. There's no doubt about that. It was a brilliant place to grow up in the, in the 1970s. I've been caused to reflect around that. I think it was last week. Yeah, last week I was at the 50th anniversary of the ordination of Alan Marr, who was my youth pastor in the 70s. He went on to become, some of you, one or two of you might have heard of him because he became the, the, the director of mission and, or director of ministries at the Baptist Union. Head honcho is what we sort of call that sort of thing. Anyway, I've been thinking about that. And so I'm in this sort of website, back to Blackie Babs, and it sort of, sort of, every time I look at someone, I hear a story of someone from my past, you know, my 40-year past. I'm thinking, I'm asking myself this question. Are they still following Jesus? Are they still following Jesus? Because unfortunately not, you know, they're not all. They're not all following Jesus. Because we need endurance and patience. A lot of things go wrong in this world. We're not in heaven yet. And because we're not in heaven yet, stuff goes wrong in the world. 40-year-old mum, young mums die because we, you know, the world's imperfect. Churches have issues because we're not, we're not in heaven yet. Sort of if churches didn't have issues, I wouldn't have a job, by the way. So, so, yeah. Won't be church health in heaven, you know. I'll be redundant in heaven, hallelujah. I'm not just here for problems, by the way. I'm here to, for lots of other things as well, but... But, you know, stuff happens, doesn't it? Because we're not on heaven yet. And so what happens? I remember I heard this sermon many, many years ago. Talk about the strategies of Satan, you know, in your upcoming series. This guy said, preaching from the pulpit, I read this sermon 25 years ago plus. He said, Satan has one strategy. That might not be true, by the way. But he says, Satan's biggest strategy is to make you give up make you give up. Say, no, I'm giving up. Giving up on church, giving up on faith, giving up on this, giving up on that. And unfortunately, people do. Which is why Paul prays for endurance and patience. Because we need it. We need it. And we were going through that whole infertility issue. I'm just sort of alluded it to. We, had, we went through IVF. Incredibly painful process, physically, very demanding process, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. Probably, I'd still say the hardest time of our life in marriage to go through that. I can remember one day, I can remember one day when I, you know, didn't work again. I'm thinking, is this all a joke? Is this all a joke? Is God real? And I was frustrated and I was angry. 
I spent a good 10 minutes in that. And I thought, no, I'm dumb. I don't understand what's going on. I lack wisdom. I don't know what God's agenda is. But no, I'm not going to give up on all that other stuff that I know. I'm not giving up on salvation. I'm not giving up on Jesus. I may not know what's going on right now, but I'm not giving up on it. Maybe there'll be some of you who attempted at times to give up. Well, Paul's praying that you won't give up. I'm praying that you won't give up. We're praying for you today that you won't give up. When you're in that place, in that, that challenging place, what you do is you get on the phone and talk to someone. What you do also is you come here on Sunday morning. You know what is the biggest mistake people make when they're having a hard time in their faith? Oh, I'm not going to go to church today. I don't, I don't feel like it. They give in to their feelings. The worst decision you can make when you're in a bad place. Sit in the back corner if you need to. Cry if you need to. Tell people, I don't want to talk today, but I just want to be here. And you go and sit in that corner and you're upset, and, but you're here, okay? You're not giving up. You're making a stand. Endurance and patience. Make a stand. And it might be that, you know, you don't want to sing. I remember those days, at, sometimes at church, when those sort of dark days, I'm not singing. I'm not singing, I love you, Jesus, because I actually don't love you, Jesus, right now. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie in my singing. I'm not, I'm not there today, but I'm still in church. I'm still saying to my, to my church, you know, my, is, my church was so great. We're in Sydney, we're going through this thing. Our church was so awesome. So awesome to sort of lead us through this. And so, you know, when I got my speeding fine when I found out we were pregnant, right? Remember that? I told you that? I was going to church. We found out on a Sunday. I was going to church when we found out to celebrate because they'd ridden through it. I can tell you the story now and you all know that you've seen the outcome, but these people lived it through us. When you don't know the outcome, you don't know the outcome. So when you're feeling bad, come to church. Don't stay home. I know you can still watch it. Greetings to those online. God bless you. I'm not going to say that you're home because you, you, know, you might be sick, or right? you might be watching this sort of down the track or whatever. You might be watching this in five years' time. Welcome to 2023. I pray that God will touch you at 2028 wherein you're watching that. Hmm. They're the things that Paul's praying for. Knowledge of his will. Wisdom, understanding from the Holy Spirit, live a worthy life, bearing fruit, growing in knowledge, strengthening in power, endurance and patience. I've spent a lot longer than I planned to on endurance and patience. I just, all I can say is I just sense that maybe the Holy Spirit's got, that's a word for somebody today. All right? And if, if that's a word for you today and you want to just sort of secretly tell me that later on and secretly have me pray for you, I'll secretly pray for you. Okay? I pray with my eyes open. I can do secret prayer really well. You can feel like it's just having a conversation. I'm just having a conversation with you and I'm just inviting God into that conversation. Hmm. But maybe that's for you. I have a sense that that's for someone here today. Or maybe only. Hmm. How about I pray for us, hey? Hmm. And then we're going to sing something to, complete, to finish with. 
Lord, I pray for uh, saints who are gathered here today, watching online as well as gathered here in this room. Lord, that there'd be a sense from your spirit that you would just pick up on something that has been said there today that is the, <clears throat> the right thing for people, for individuals today. Thank you, Lord, by your Holy Spirit that you can, you can move in each of our lives all at the same time, all doing different things at all at the same time. And Lord, you can take and you utilize imperfect words and use them for your purposes. Lord, I pray for each one here who's here. Lord, may they know your hand upon them. May they know what it means to be drawn towards you. May they know, their, may they know your love for them. May they know your grace for them that covers any failure. Lord, pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit that you would empower us and enable us to be your people tomorrow on Tuesday and whatever else we're facing that's during the week. Lord, that we might know that. And I pray for North Church as a church that they will, it will flourish and it will do all that you have it for it to do. Lord, it's been on quite a journey. Lord, your journey with them hasn't finished. Lord, I pray that you'd be doing a fresh thing in this place, a new thing in this place, that it will flourish. I pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Blessings. Amen.